I'm going to take back over if you don't mind, Brian. Is that good? All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. I hope everybody had a good Christmas. We had a good Christmas, and I'm excited to, uh, to get to the conclusion of our series here. Uh, however, <clears throat> a couple things before we begin. Number one, out at the Welcome Center is envelopes, giving envelopes for 2022. A lot of people right now are giving online and texting, which is very, very good. I appreciate you doing that. That makes things a lot more streamlined and easier and quicker. Uh, however, uh, if, if you're one of those that, that goes on the computer and texts and things like that, whatever Gary, does, whatever Gary doesn't do, if you do that, okay, uh, if you could do me a favor, go out, not now, but when you leave, if you could stop by the Welcome Center and find your name on there and just scratch your name out, says, look, I don't need these envelopes anymore, I don't want these envelopes, keep your dog on envelopes, Wh- whatever, you know, just scratch about, that would be, that would be good, that would be very, very helpful uh, for us, and by us, I mean Katrina. Um, something else, last week, I did not have the opportunity to be here, and I, I loved listening, watching and listening uh, to the kids sing. I just thought that was great. I, I really do. I, I mentioned this uh, on Christmas Eve. I, I just, that was a, a truly happy, happy is the best word I can say. I, I you know, beyond uh, joy for me, beyond peace, it was, it was happy. I was happy when I was listening to it. And uh, I certainly appreciate that. I appreciate what, what Cami and, and Ann Stanley and Laura have done uh, for that. I just, I thought it was well done, <clears throat> and I really appreciate that. Okay, now that's out of the way. Every year, <clears throat> my uh, dad and I go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. Um, now, if you've never gone Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve, that is, that's not so much shopping as it is a sport, Okay, you have to, you got to gear up for it, you've got to, you got to stretch, okay, Uh, it's pretty serious business if you go shopping on Christmas Eve, and we've done that ever since I was, I was very young, Uh, dad and I would go, this year we didn't get a chance to, this year it was all, all Christmas was kind of, kind of jumbled up and kind of changed around, but hopefully we'll be able to pick that up again next year. Uh, but I will tell you this, what I always tried to do and what my dad tries to do is when we go Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve is to not actually have anything that you must purchase, okay? Nothing that you must purchase. You try to get all of your Christmas shopping done before that evening. And we continued to go because we enjoyed it. And we would probably pick up something, you know, something small for mom, you know, perfume, vacuum cleaner. And we'd pick something like that up for mom. We did one year. Vacuum cleaner and a fishing pole. We canceled the year after that. That's what we did. 
And we would pick up something small, though. And we would spend most of our time, though, at the, you know, shops and at the candy stores and things like this and look around and watching people, you know. And the rest of the people, if you show up on Christmas Eve and you need to buy something and it's serious and it's important and, and you don't have anything and you got to get this thing to show how much you love these doggone people around you, if you got to do it, it is nuts. It's crazy. I mean, people are yelling and screaming and dragging their kids along. They got arms full of stuff and kicking another thing down, to, down the aisle, you know, trying to get all of this stuff. And people are just running around pillar to post and ants are running around. It's just crazy. People yelling, screaming. And, and, and I'm just watching the whole thing, you know, because we don't need to get anything. You know, we're strolling through the mall, looking at the lights, smelling the smells, looking at the scenery. Watching the crazy people walk by. We're just enjoying our time, you know. And we're heading to the pizza place or we're heading to the candy store. We're heading to some place just to spend some time together, just have fun. That's peace. That's peace. That's really what peace is. That's a good example of peace. Everybody around you is losing their minds, Right? But you've already acquired what you need. You have these things in perspective. You've got your future day secured already. And so you're just enjoying what there is around you. That's peace. That's peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love you've given us. You show us every single day. We thank you, Father, that we get the chance right now to be reminded of the peace that we are meant to have, that we are built to have, that we're supposed to have. We thank you, Father, that (coughs) we get that peace uh, uh, as a gift, as a gift given to us, Father. And so, Father, we ask that you help open our eyes and our minds today as we look at your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. This is our last uh, moment, our last uh, message in that, that small passage But we're really breaking it down this year. Sometimes, and we'll go to other verses besides, other passages besides, but they'll be on your screen. Most of them will be. Sometimes we think of peace as nothing negative happening. That's what we think of. We just relegate peace to that. Well, nothing bad is happening right now. Therefore, there's peace. Yesterday was a mess. I don't have any idea what tomorrow is going to bring, and frankly, I'm a little bit worried about it. But right now, nothing bad's happening. Therefore, I have peace. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's that's not what peace is. That's an incorrect definition of peace. Sometimes we think maybe that peace is rest, or we think that peace is lack of disagreement, or we think that peace is the absence of intentional hostility. I hate somebody and they hate me. But we're not actively right now trying to kill each other. We have peace for now. No, you don't. No, you don't. All you have right now is a break in the negative action. What you've got right now is a truce. You've got a truce or a ceasefire. You don't have peace in your life. And you don't have peace between you and somebody else. Don't call that peace. It's just a ceasefire. The angels. The angels... On the day Jesus was born, heralded peace on earth. If you're anything like me, you read through a passage like that and you ask yourself the question, 
Well, then where is it? Right? Where is it? I mean, these are angels giving this message. If we're going to trust anybody with a message, I think an angel is a good person to trust, right? They give the message that there is now, because Jesus is born, peace on earth. And I don't see it. I don't see it around me. I don't see it in the lives of others. And so I ask, where is it? Sometimes I'll ask, do I have it? Do I have peace? Is this what peace looks like? Is this what peace feels like? Is it meant to be all-encompassing, or is it really not to, meant to be not really that big of a deal at all? Am I supposed to feel peace, or is it a state of being? If I don't have it, can I find it? Where do I find it? Where do I go? How do I, what do I have to do? Who do I got to talk to? Why don't I have peace? If it is true that there is peace, what must I do to recognize it? All of these questions I ask. And perhaps you do as well. So today I want to break down, I want to look at three different kinds of peace. And that's just the way I sort them in my head. You can sort them any way you want. For me, it works this way. Three different kinds of peace. All right? In order to do that, we got to go back to the beginning. Back to the clear beginning. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. All right? So we're clear back to the beginning. This is a long message. We're going to make it clear to Christmas. Okay? We start in Genesis. Adam and Eve had a choice. Their choice was obedience to what is good or rebellion from what's good. Obedience to what is good or rebellion against what is good. Well, how do you know what good is? You don't determine what good is, by the way. Could you, we've talked about this many times, right? So just, just write that one off. You don't determine what good is. God determines what good is for His creation. You didn't make you. You didn't make me. God determines what good is for His creation. If you make something, you got the rights on that, don't you? And you determine its life. You determine what the, the parameters for it. You determine that. God made you. He determines what's good in your life. So they had an opportunity to obey and submit to what is good or rebel against what is good. They chose rebellion. And before you start thinking of what a foolish move that was and Adam and Eve and I can't believe they did this and ruined it for everybody... It's the same choice that you and I have every single day. You and I have the same choice to either obey what is good or rebel against what is good by the mere fact that we're human beings. God says, and then what do you do? God says, how do you think? God says, what do you do? How do you respond? That rebellion of Adam and Eve spiraled out of control from there. The bad infection. You know, Luke was quoting C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis talks about the good infection sometimes. This is the bad infection. It got worse and worse. How bad did it get? Now you can ask Noah. Pretty darn bad. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every, listen to this, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's how bad it got. But, fortunately, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But even after the flood, it didn't stop. The bad infection continued. After Noah, it didn't take long until Babylon, used even in the revelation of Christ as this example of total evil. And it goes on and on and on. Do you think it got any better by the time uh, history got to Abraham? 
or his family? Read the Exodus story. It didn't get any better. Read Judges. By the way, don't read Judges if you're already in a bad mood or a sad mood because that's just going to put you right over the edge. You read Judges when you're in a good mood because that is a dark, dark book in Scripture. A lot of weird and bad things happening in Judges. And that, that was the time. That was the day. If you think it's going to get any better, read First and Second Kings. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. Without the intervention of God, it would be go clear back to this complete debacle of Babylon. We've separated ourselves. That's the thing. Human beings, you, me, we separated ourselves from the very thing that created us, that gives us life, and that sustains us. That's what human beings do. And sometimes we do it without even knowing we, 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 we rebel. We live in a life of rebellion against the God that made us. You know when your kids rebel. You know when your kids do things they're not supposed to do. Even if they don't know it, you know. We separate ourselves from God, the one that sustains our life. And because of that, there is no peace between man and the creator of man. And by the way, God hasn't changed his character. God hasn't changed his character. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed anything. It is rock solid. It's the same way and the same place it always has been, which means the creation keeps moving further and further away and keeps lobbing, uh, you know, hostilities towards God. There's war there. There's animosity there. And God hasn't changed. God hasn't left. Animosity, betrayal, hatred, disobedience, rebellion, and finally death. That's what happens when you separate yourself from the very thing that made you, that sustains your very soul. And if you're a common sense type of person, that makes perfect common sense. Yet through it all, and I don't know why, haven't yet figured this out, through all of that, through all of the history, the horrible things and the bad things, through all of your history, you as an individual, us as a church, through it all, God did not abandon His creation. He didn't scrub the whole idea and say, forget this idea of human beings, I'm going to start over with cats or something. He told through prophets, through revelation, that one day, someone would come along who would bring peace. From the very beginning, this was the plan. Do you know that? From the very beginning, the moment God made human beings, it's almost like He made Adam and then thought, uh-oh. No, that's not the way He works. Nothing catches God by surprise. He knew he was going to create human beings. He knew human beings were going to be able to choose things on their own, and sometimes they were going to choose the wrong thing. And so he says, don't worry. i got a plan for that one too. I've got a solution from the very beginning. There was someone who was going to bring peace. Here's the catch. That peace was going to be peace between God and man. God and man. The creator and the creation. Because the creation has set up a barrier, a, a blockade, war against the Creator. 
This peace bringer must be in the likeness of the rebellious creation with no rebellion in his heart. So now let's look at Luke chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Stop there. See, that's kind of where we stop sometimes in our minds when we read through this and we're trying to figure this out what this peace is and this peace around the world and world at peace and all these kind of things. It's almost in our minds we stop right there. We stop with this one moment, half of the message, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Then we begin to ask the question, where is it? Apparently this is a lie. Apparently this isn't true. Apparently nothing like this is happening. Apparently God doesn't know what He's doing or this plan is not unfolding the way it's supposed to or God is not all powerful or God doesn't love us or this or that and the other. You got to read the whole message in your mind. You got to live out the whole message. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. In other words, there's going to be peace to some and not peace to others. That's the message. There's going to be peace to some and not peace to others. Some people are going to have peace between God and man, and that's going to lead us into other parts and kinds of peace. But other people are not. Well, why in the world would an all-powerful and all-loving God do such a thing? Why would He say, there's going to be peace for some of you, but there's not going to be peace for all of you? Well, because God's got this nasty habit of allowing us to make decisions for ourselves. God's got this habit of allowing you to live your life. And so you get to make decisions. You get to choose things. You get to accept or reject. And this is what the angels are saying. Look, there's some people who are going to accept this peace, this everlasting peace between you and your father. And then there's people that are just going to reject that. They're going to throw it away. They're going to walk out, slam the door. I want nothing to do with you. And they're going to miss out on that peace is going to elude their lives. Some of you, though, are going to be restored back to the life giver. It will be those on whom his favor rests. Favor rests, that sounds interesting. We hear that one other time. We hear something about favored In the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. You've probably heard this story before. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The word favored here means you who are full of grace. In other words, you who have accepted and received the full measure of grace that God gives to you. So here is the message from the angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth an end to the violence, rebellion, and hostility and being invited back to the Father's table to those who receive the full measure of grace poured out to you by God. They didn't say it that way because that takes a lot longer. But that's the message from the angels. 
how do I receive this peace? How do I receive this restoration and be brought back to the Father's table? This grace is being poured out to mankind. We know that. And this leads to peace between me, a very rebellious person, and God, the one who sustains my very soul. This peace leads to life. So how do I receive this grace? How do I accept it and bring it? How am I to be one that's highly favored? Colossians chapter 1, Paul tells us, For God was pleased to have all of His fullness, all of His godness, dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus, to bring back to Himself all things, to reconcile all things through Christ, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood, making peace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Once, and He's talking to you, He's talking to me, once you were alienated from God, everybody in this room, once you were alienated from God and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you, you didn't, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Look, I have peace with God if I accept the gift of Jesus Christ. I have peace with God if I accept who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, why it is done, because I am imperfect. I got a lot of problems, church. I really do. I mean, if you really did crawl into my head and my heart, I got a lot of issues. And that's why I need a lot of Jesus. And I get a lot of Jesus. I get all I want. I don't worry about that. Jesus covers all of that. If I do not accept the peacemaker, I'm still in rebellion. He is the peacemaker. Jesus is the mediator. And rebels have no place around the Father's table. Jesus is the creator becoming the creature, living the life of the perfect creation, fulfilling the perfection of God for you and me. He paid the price and He now stands for us, intercedes for us. He quite literally advocates for us. And I'll make a promise to you, the Son is never denied anything. He stands before the Father and speaks to the Father for you. And I don't mean you as a church. I mean each one of you. And the Son is not denied. If that doesn't bring peace, everlasting, eternal peace, I don't know what does. You've given your life to Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, He says, don't worry about it from here on out. I'll protect that. Enjoy life. Live life. Walk around, see the sights, smell the smells, look at the, the, the decorations, whatever you're doing. Go to the candy store. Live life. Jesus says, I've protected eternity. You've given me eternity. Because I'll tell you this, if you're filled with anxiety and filled with worry and filled with uncertainty, boy, you're just going to be like the rest of the ants running around and crawling around the mall, aren't you? Don't do that. Enjoy the journey because you've given the end to Jesus. This peace, Romans 5 says this, 
Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we ha- since we have been justified through our trust in Jesus, we have peace with God. Peace with God. See, we, we, sometimes we look at peace. We think peace between people, peace be- no, peace with God. We have peace between us and God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, on whom His favor rests, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But this peace between you and God should usher in a second peace. It must usher in a second peace. And that is personal peace of the heart and mind. We were destined, church, for two things. One of two things. If I believe in God, I'm destined for eternal damnation and separation. What? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, it does. If I believe that there's some God that created me and everything else that has this moral standard, and that's what I think is true, no more, no less, I am destined for eternal separation because I have not accepted the one who has brought peace between me and that creator. In fact, you are in a worse state than you were to begin with. You are storing up for yourself wrath because you're going into rebellion with your eyes wide open. Far worse than someone who doesn't believe in God. Far worse. It is the most pitiable state you can possibly be in. Not only that, a false sense of security. And this is what you've got to start talking to your friends and family about. See, this is the scary stuff. Oh, hey, my, my eternity is secure because I believe in God. Boy, I fear for you. If you don't have a relationship, if you don't understand and know who the peacemaker is, because now it is willful, knowing rebellion in your life and no way back. So that's one of our states. If I believe in God, we're, we're destined for eternal separation. And then the other state is if I don't believe in God, now I'm destined for a life of confusion. I'm less than, destined for a life of fear and meaninglessness associated with it because that too leads to everlasting separation. Thankfully, we've already seen there's a third option. You accept Jesus. And by the way, that's the best option going out there if you're looking. What can I do to put you into this salvation today? Right? This is the third and only option for life. You accept Jesus Christ. Put it this way, you go home. You go home. Look, you're running around, you're trying, looking here, you're trying to find this peace here, you're trying to find that security there. You're running around like the ants. And some days are better than others. You are trying to negotiate a ceasefire with life. That's what you're trying to do. Because we haven't given our lives completely over to Jesus that ushers in this constant peace and love and contentment in our lives. And so we're looking for a truce with life. Every day you wake up, just one more chore that i got to suffer through. That's a horrible way to exist. That is no way that a Christian is meant to exist or supposed to exist, even on the dark days. You give your life over to Jesus Christ, and now a peace begins to permeate through your life. I'm secured. My life is secured. I'm going to start looking around at the sights. 
I'm going to start enjoying the creation that God called good. The people in that creation as well. This is the story. This is the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the ever-loving father, which I think is probably a better title for that, for that story. You know, guy goes out, kid goes out, hanging out, doing his thing, trying to figure stuff out. I can do this. I can try that. I can experiment with this. I can do that. Finally, reality catches up. In fact, it says, when he came to his senses. I said, man, I just got to go home because in my home was peace and my home was joy. It wasn't perfect, but there was peace, there was joy, there was hope, there was love. I just got to go home. Even if I'm a servant, I got to go home. If your mind is filled, if your heart is filled with anger and bitterness and hatred and unrest and thinking that you don't, haven't accomplished as much or done enough or you're, gonna, you're not going to get yours or whatever it is, just go home. Would you just stop and go home for a little bit? Accept Jesus back around the table. Let your Father command your life for just a while. Let's reset here. See, then he throws his arm around him and he takes him out to the farm and he shows him around. See, this is what you forgot. This is this lovely thing, this lovely life, this lovely place. But you've been separated for so long, you forgot about it. There's a peace that, that no matter what happens, you know, I think myself about, about dying tomorrow. I've, I've shared this with you before, right? And I, and I wonder about Sam, you know. I, I don't wonder about Ashley. She, she can use the break. But I do, I do wonder about Sam. <laughs> but then I think to myself, do I love Sam more than God does? Well, that's nonsense. That's foolishness. Why would I be filled with anxiety about that? Why would I be worried about that? One more thing. One more thing. You add God into the mix, there goes one more worry. There goes one more anxiety. There goes one more problem out the window. There's a peace that comes into our hearts and our minds when you're ruled by the Spirit. Finally, the third piece, if I have peace with God, if I have peace within myself, not with myself, but within myself, I often don't have peace with myself. There's a lot of things I do and say that I'm embarrassed of, I can't believe I did it, I look back on it the day later going, geez, I dropped the ball there, you know, I'm not, I'm not peace with myself, peace within myself, right? If I have those two things, I must, I must pursue peace with others. There's our third piece. That's the one you thought we were getting to at first. That's the one we thought the angels were talking about. No, no, no. There's an order to this. The angels were talking about peace between God and man. Now we have peace because of our eternal and secured future. And now we have peace. We begin to foster peace between people. Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they're the ones that will be called children of God. They're the ones. Are you a peacemaker? Hmm? I mean, really, are you a peacemaker? Do you care if you're a peacemaker? If you reflect back upon your life, and I'm not talking about getting in the midst of quarrels and dramas. I'm not talking about 
being an eloquent speaker. I'm not talking about being this or that. I was just talking, when you reflect, when you look at your life, how you interact is, is your goal to make peace, not at the expense of truth. All right, that's just a lie. But is your goal to make peace between yourself and others, between pe- people? Based upon the above verse, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God, I would care very much if I was a peacemaker or considered myself a peacemaker. Think about it, church. Pridefulness, violence. Pridefulness is a word, by the way. I didn't think it was. I looked it up. Pridefulness, violence, hostility, hatred, quarreling, gossip. Forget the, forget the excuses and the lies that we tell ourselves to justify these acts. Do you really think for a second that that is someone who's a child of God? When you think about those things, when you talk about the pride, you talk about the quarreling, you talk about the gossip, gossip, where you get the word devil, by the way, when we talk about these things, you walk around beating on your chest, talk about how strong you are. Do you really think that that's a child of God? Do you really think that's somebody who's indwelt by the Holy Spirit? You should care very much about being a peacemaker. And if you don't care about being a peacemaker, or if you reflect upon your life and you know that you're not a peacemaker, you better ask yourself, what exactly do I believe? Do I believe in Jesus or not? Because with it comes the pursuit of peace. After all, He is the Prince of Peace. How do I know if I believe in this? Because there are fruits in our lives. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But you may say, look, I try. I try and I try. I try to be a peacemaker. I try to, and I try to help and I try to be nice and I'm trying to do it. And, and he's mean and he doesn't care and, and they don't want peace and they're just not. Maybe I can just throw up my hands and forget about it. Did we want peace? Did you and I want peace? Romans chapter 5, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Look, rarely is anybody going to die for a righteous person. Maybe for a good person, somebody might die once in a while. Verse 8, but God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't want peace, Christ gave us peace. He didn't ask our permission, did He? He didn't ask our permission when He ushered in peace in our lives. He said, no, I'm going to pursue peace for you. I'm going to pursue peace even to the cross in the hope that some may accept it. That's what Jesus did. And so we pursue peace in our lives and in the lives of others. Romans chapter 12, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Look, if it's possible, I realize that there are some things you can't control, verse 18, but if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, peace is not just the absence of immediate conflict. It's not just a truce. It is a God-given charge of every man, woman, and child who claims to be God's children. It is a God-given right to everyone who accepts Jesus Christ. And it is a God-given gift in the heart and the mind for everyone who pursues and believes the words of Jesus it is joy when nothing else is joyful. It's, it's love when nothing else is lovely. In the midst of a chaotic world, that's peace. So can we do all this? Well, it's not easy, but it is possible. 
And I want you to focus on this verse. I want you to focus on this verse today. I want you to focus on this verse tomorrow. I want you to focus on this passage throughout the week. I finished our Christmas Eve celebration with this passage because I truly believe it is one of the greatest passages and one of the most powerful passages, strengthening passages in the entire Bible. You want to know what it's like to pursue peace. You want to know what it's like to recognize peace in your own life, to actually be able to tap into that peace. Do what God tells you to do. Here's what He tells you to do. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present yourself to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, if you can't figure out why you have this peace, good, you're doing the right thing. Transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you've given us one more time through your word and through your message, the love that you've shown us. We thank you, Father, for the peace that we can find in Jesus Christ, that we can be certain that the last time we close our eyes, we will open them again. We live eternally with Christ. We don't deserve it. But your gifts, your gifts are never taken away. They're never sent back and never returned. I thank you for that gift of Jesus. I thank you for that gift of forgiveness. I thank you that you are patient. I thank you that you're patient with me. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you created me. And you want me to stay with you. And you want me to live with you. I thank you that you want everybody in this room. That you know them by name. You you proved that you would die for them. You proved that you were more powerful than death. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for that kind of joy. And that kind of hope. And that kind of peace. Father, help us to remember this. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Shepherds kept their watching for silent flies.
well? Do we get any <coughs> any marks on the the thing? I, I talked about.